0: Well, look, uh, my my frustration uh, as it relates to that particular city is not that they're not building housing. They're not. Not that they're not entitled in housing. They're not. It's that they're not even planning. They refuse to plan.
1: And that just seems to me a basic
0: fundamental responsibility that we all have.
2: Welcome to Give Me Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin, dad and housing journalist with Matters. And I'm Liam Dillon with the Los Angeles Times. And today on the podcast, the Huntington Beach lawsuit. Surf City. Surf City, USA. Surf
3: down in Huntington Beach. Mm,
2: it's not up. Down. Well played. Yes. I don't think, is Huntington Beach, in that Beach Boys song, that's not one of the beaches that are listed, right? I don't, listed, I don't right?
3: know. I mean, they call Redondo. themselves Surf City.
2: They're, they're all, I mean, that's their thing yeah and they're like branded like yes. you try
3: to email someone from there it's like
2: at surfcity.com
3: or some stuff like yeah that. there's yeah. i
2: mean i assume there's good surfing around huntington <laughs> beach i don't th- i don't think it's false branding we'll be talking about the lawsuit launched by the newsom administration that tries to compel huntington beach to at least plan for more housing and we'll and, be joined by
3: yes we have two guests yes. Two today yes, two. yes. Uh, We have both sides uh, of the argument. Indeed. Fair uh, and balanced. (laughs) Uh, Assemblyman Miguel Santiago represents a downtown Los Angeles, the author of the bill in 2017 that made it easier for the governor to go after and sue cities like Huntington Beach.
2: And we'll also be chatting with Senator John Morlock, who represents a portion of Huntington Beach, um, who is. Go ahead. Not happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, not not thrilled at this, and is trying to get the governor to back off, basically. Yeah. And we grabbed him moments before he had to step back uh, in the Capitol to vote on things. And we have legislators this week. Yeah. And, and you can tell. Yes, very much. Mm-hmm.
3: So that clip you heard at the beginning, uh, up top, that was, of course, Governor Newsom uh, speaking to Matt's colleague uh, Dan Moraine uh, uh, about the Huntington Beach case and uh dan does a daily newsletter yes called what matters yes which is uh a lot of nuggets in there
2: yes it's good stuff we encourage you to subscribe uh sometimes i'll have housing news that doesn't fit in a traditional story and i'll just write a little blurb for dan moraine and it'll that's another nugget Uh, yet another nugget um so thank you dan we appreciate it. That Newsom gave that quote just for context um, while he was wearing that New England Patriots jersey oh. at um, a local food bank slash homeless shelter. I that's think that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when he lost the Super Bowl bet, and now for the most compelling segment in all of California Housing Podcastery, it's
3: the avocado of the fortnight.
2: Our look at the whimsical, or absurd, or slightly funny. Uh, portion of California's housing crisis. And this Avocado of the Fortnight takes us yet again to the city of Cupertino, Bay Area suburb, headquarters of Apple. We're here a lot for our avocados.
3: Very ripe in Cupertino.
2: (laughs) Yes. And so what what is the Avocado of the Fortnight bringing us this fortnight?
3: So like the president this week uh, delivering his State of the Union, it was also State of the City time in the city of Cupertino. Yes. New Mayor Stephen Scharf uh, long speech, uh, had a video accompaniment with him. A PowerPoint. PowerPoint, yep. Yeah. And uh, he took his time. He's one of sort of the uh, endorsed by slow growth advocates uh, in Cupertino. Yes. Uh, took his time at the state of the city to make a joke.
2: So here, this is one of my proposals this year. Um, you've heard about the wall along our southern border. This is the wall around Cupertino. We have a big problem with all these Teslas coming through our city from Saratoga and other people from other cities. So we came up with this proposal. San Jose will be mainly paying for it. So it's not not going to come out of our own, our own taxes. What you can't see because this is a podcast is a map of Cupertino and then it looks like somebody in a black Sharpie just put a little wall around it. That's what's on the PowerPoint.
3: And that's why the chuckling... Yes. Occurred when
2: it did exactly. So yeah. he got laughs, man. He got laughs. He got laughs. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so,
3: but afterwards, did no laughs
2: for Mayor Scharf. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is always dangerous to introduce levity into the California housing crisis, as me and you well know.
3: Yes. Well, and also, I mean, you know, California center of the resistance to. Uh, the president, mm-hmm. nothing exemplifies the president more than building the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are um, uh, metaphorically uh, building a wall around Cupertino, a city that does not have the most uh, pro-housing reputation
2: mm-hmm. in the state. So, uh, yes, in my backyard, Twitter immediately kind of went nuts over this, uh, saying how not funny this joke was. um And then some San Jose city council members got involved. And I will read a tweet from one of these uh, city council members. Congrats to Cupertino Mayor Stephen Shar for out-trumping Trump on the night of the State of the Union by declaring Cupertino will build a wall and make San Jose pay for it. We are not amused. So it went over pretty well. Right. Went over pretty well.
3: So thank you, Cupertino, once again, for lightening up our... uh biweekly effort here
2: in trying to discern more meaning from this avocado this does point to the big city small city clash that we see uh probably most absurdly in the bay area like in this example Mm -hmm. uh, where cities like san jose don't take these types of jokes very well um, but also in southern california where maybe cities like los angeles um, and cities like huntington beach Although those aren't really I mean, direct the, neighbors, but they're in the same. It's, the, the, it's, met, a, it's the a region, a major metro area, yeah. yeah the MSA, right. that's right, where they might have kind of differing views on local housing policies, which is a beautiful segue to our I, main topic. I, I, was, I was
3: hoping the transition was going to get us there, and we finally arrived. So, so here we are, Huntington Beach. Big news uh, in recent weeks. Um Governor Newsom uh, sued uh, uh, or rather more precisely, the attorney general's office sued Huntington Beach on the recommendation of Governor Newsom for violating allegedly um, the state's laws that require the city to plan for uh, enough growth. This stems from primarily a decision the city made three years ago now, a little more than three years ago. So the city—so let's back up a little bit. This law requires every city and county in the state to plan for a sufficient amount of growth, and that growth number is determined by the state, which is then sort of worked through regional governments and then given to each city to, to have to zone for a number of in housing, right? And so every city gets a different number. Huntington Beach's number was uh, a little more than 1,000 um, homes uh, over this eight-year period that they have to plan for, which means they have to zone for that amount of uh, homes. So Huntington Beach was in compliance. They had a zoning plan that fit, and then in 2015 they said, uh, "Nah, nah." And and yeah. how did they say that? So they uh, there is two major streets in Huntington Beach, um, and they decided to decrease the allowable um, uh, number of ha- uh, housing units that were. Uh, there by more than 2,000 homes. This was a decision back in, in 2015. And so, and this the, was a yeah.
2: city council decision motivated by uh, internal pressure from Huntington Beach residents. Yeah,
3: residents complaining the city was growing too quickly. And so they specifically went after plans that allowed for apartment and condominium development. Uh, one quote uh, from a resident at the 2015 meeting where this decision occurred this is uh, said. We want to reclaim our town. We want to keep the culture and flavor of our community.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to Huntington Beach?
3: Uh, I have never been to Huntington Beach, have you? Mm.
2: Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. What is it like? Um, it, is, it is a typical Southern California beachside community, although yeah. not as... Um, I guess ostentatiously affluent as, as like, some Laguna. others, exactly Malibu. Yeah, right, right. yeah, I yeah. mean, right. So bordering Huntington Beach is, I think, Torrance and Fountain Valley. Yeah, they're right next there. Those are more working class neighborhoods. Right. Those are the pla- for fuller context. Those are the places where um, Democrats tried to gin up more votes in this uh, 2018 blue wave that we saw. Right. 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 Yeah, and this is not, it should
3: be clear, not a small city.
2: I mean, no. 200,000 people. Significant
3: like, that's size. A, that's a legit-sized city, right? Yeah. So this decision meant the city no longer had enough land zone to accommodate um, the, the need under state housing requirements. And despite various efforts uh, and various sort of nudging by the state and proposals from the city, they have not plaster- passed a replacement plan. So here we are today. Um, the city... Uh, no longer being in compliance with what they're supposed to do
2: under these zoning rules, um, and so how does this new law from twenty seventeen play into this?
3: Yeah, so the law, and so it's worth re- remembering that the state always has the power to go in and enforce yes. a state law. Yes. Right, But uh, this 2017 law, AB 72, and we'll certainly be you know, speaking with um, Assemblyman Santiago about this because he was the author of it, says it gave sort of the administration more authority to do something about that. So uh, the Housing and Community Development Department, which is uh, in charge of monitoring these uh, state housing laws uh, under this new law, can directly refer cities that are out of compliance or they have concerns about to the attorney general – and the attorney general can then file suits. So where in the past it was really, you know, there the last one of these similar suits was 2009, uh, driven um, uh, by the attorney general himself, who at the time was coincidentally Jerry Brown right? Um, there's been no similar case since. And the argument has been, well, the AG's office doesn't even know what's going on mm-hmm. in this area. The experts are the housing department. This law facilitated the housing department to tell, basically tell
2: the AG this is what's going on. And we, when we had Ben Metcalf, um, head of the state housing department on the podcast, I want to say in September of last year. Yeah, about that time. Yeah. I asked him about Um, have you guys referred anything to the AG yet? And he said, yes. So in terms of the overall timing of this, that's when that decision was actually made, which is pretty Mm -hmm. quick. Yep. Pretty quick after a new law gets enacted. Right. Um, Let's now kind of broaden it out into the full context when when it comes to Huntington Beach versus the state in housing law and then just in everything.
3: Right. So um, Huntington Beach is quickly, I think, becoming the uh, center of the resistance, if you will, the resistance to the resistance to state government um, over a number of issues. uh, they, uh, uh, have sued the state over, uh, SB 54, which is better known as the sanctuary state law, the law that, uh, delineates sort of, uh, state responsibilities for, um, addressing concerns with undocumented immigrants versus the federal government. Um, and so that starting to be challenged that the approach from the state uh, yeah. in court. Um Also- They tried to overturn the sanctuary state law. Yes. Thank you for saying that, uh, much quicker than I did. Um, also, um, Huntington Beach has now filed- two separate lawsuits yeah, over housing issues
2: this is where it gets real interesting yeah
3: so a real pushback on this um first they have tried to invalidate uh another part of the 2015 i'm sorry 2017 housing package sb35 um the sort of the high profile legislation that requires uh cities to approve certain projects if they meet uh zoning requirements huntington beach says nah unconstitutional um, they've also gone after a separate uh, bill that was passed just to deal with Huntington Beach. And so there's been a long kind of fighting over this this issue in Huntington Beach. There was an effort in, in 2018 to kind of close a loophole that allowed Huntington Beach to escape some of these uh, housing responsibilities that other cities have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huntington Beach has now sued over that law saying that, that it, too, is unconstitutional.
2: So uh, just – just very quickly the, yeah. what what Liam's referring to is Huntington Beach is a charter city let's just call that a special type of city yeah
3: so there and bigger cities in the state are usually charter cities that yeah. allows them to have sort of their more authority over their own practices including land use rules than all the other cities
2: in and the, the state. argument is that state certain state housing laws should not apply to those cities and that also right. undergirds some of the argument against SB 35 as well that's the same argument yes yes Um. So, obviously, there's been a a prolonged back and forth between Huntington Beach and the state over housing issues and non-housing issues, which led many in Huntington Beach, once the Newsom announcement actually happened, to say, this is a politically motivated attack. This is easy for Newsom to go down to Huntington Beach and say, you guys who oppose sanctuary cities where a lot of Republicans live— have a really bad track record on housing. It's not going to cost me anything. You guys don't already like me. Yeah, I'm coming after you, as opposed to maybe going to some over, going after some places in the Bay Area, Marin County, Marin County, where, where Newsom used from, to live. Yep, yeah. yep,
3: yeah. and uh, and cities that have a pretty poor record of approving uh, affordable housing. Exactly. So you know, is is that criticism fair? It's a it's a good question. I mean, I think there are some persuasive um, technical reasons why yes. um, Huntington Beach was singled out in this way. I'll go through some of them. Um, I, 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 so um, first of all, there are 51 cities, uh, uh, including Huntington Beach, that do not have housing plans that are currently in compliance, right? Yes. So we're dealing with a small, narrow section
2: of of, uh, of cities to begin with. Let, let's yeah. actually even take it a step back broader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There most cities in the state are not meeting their housing numbers. In that, terms of actual production. In terms of actual production and permitting actual production. Correct. That is that is a somewhat separate issue, actually, from why they're going after Huntington Entirely Beach. Entirely separate. Yes. Entirely separate. Well, yeah. somewhat separate. Yeah. Yes. So so when people, uh, when those who are defending Huntington Beach say every city isn't meeting their their housing quota, right. that's kind of a different thing. Exactly. Exactly. So-
3: um, uh, yes. So going back to 51, right? Yes. 51 cities that are, are not meeting this sort of planning requirement, right? Huntington Beach being one of them. And then um, there are three cities of this 51, including Huntington Beach, where um, they – and there were two others. The two others are in Fresno County, um, c- city of Clovis and Selma, where uh, the city was in compliance. They had a, a approved zoning plan, and then they took action to – down zone and therefore became out of compliance. And so you could argue, you know, okay, um, instead of talking, you know, one of 500 cities that have not met their housing goals or close to that number Mm -hmm. or one of 50 cities that are not met their planning goals. Now we're talking one of three cities. Um, that have not, uh, you know, or, or sort of took it a, a pretty strong action to say no. Yes. And it, when you look at it that perspective, it's easier to understand why uh, Huntington Beach is the one that's chosen.
2: Is, is it fair to characterize that as somewhat reneging on a commitment that they made to the state? And, could, that, yeah, and that and that is I'm, kind of I'm part sure, of the triggering here. Yeah, I'm sure that the state would characterize that way. I think that's it that how. Way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Now,
3: and and I at the, all that being said, I think it's totally fair to say, well, why not Marin? Yes. Right? You know, of those 51 cities, um, there's only one Bay Area one. You know, Los Altos. So every city in in Marin County is compliant with these sort of state planning uh, rules for housing. That's an indictment. Of the state of the housing system, law. yeah, exactly. You know, and I and I encourage you. You know, I wrote a long project about this in 2017. You could find that, um, you know, pretty easily. Uh, that that explains sort of all of the background and the problems with this state law, which was supposed to encourage there was enough for there to be enough housing supply in the state to meet the demand. That's clearly not the case, and the law in and of itself is doesn't work. And so, um, you know, so. Uh, so what that yeah. also means is yeah. that
2: the the state does not have a legal recourse to go after Marin, right? In at the same way, in the same way, using yeah. this new law, right? Um, in the way they do after Huntington Beach, that's exactly that's, correct. That's that is the. That is one of the reasons if I was arguing on behalf of the state, that's what I'd say. It's not that Marin is doing everything right. It's that we don't have the legal mechanism to go after that, although I'm sure they're, they're, they're there are other legal mechanisms possibly out there, right? Oh, sure. You could go after a denial of a particular
3: project, <laughs> fair in, housing, in, you know, in Marin, fair housing stuff. Yeah. lots of lots of lots of ways to sue Marin. Uh, but in <laughs> but in, but in this area, uh, it, uh, as the laws as they're written now, there there's not.
2: Um, this this lawsuit has gotten a ton of attention. Uh, you know, even though my question to Ben Metcalf. You know, you didn't even raise your eyebrows when I was asking him about that uh, that lawsuit. I got okay. I got no reaction from from you when uh, I mean, the vibe was definitely. Why are you asking about? I this? mean,
3: I'm sorry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. You should apologize. Okay.
2: Does this deserve as much media attention as it's currently receiving?
3: Let me try to frame that a little bit different. Um, does it deserve this much? Maybe just attention. And what I think this is. Maybe more so than getting Huntington Beach to zone for another 400 houses, you know, over the next year or two, which is what these laws—how long these laws take—I think it's a clear sign from the governor that he is ready to use the sticks that are at his disposal to say cities that are not complying with housing laws, we're going to come after you. Right? I think the hope is that this is um, uh, a message. And I think it's that's sort of why I think it matters less about whether Huntington Beach, again, zones for another 400 houses and more about the state. Uh, Newsom very aggressively in the beginning of his tenure saying um, we take these housing laws seriously when in that perhaps when in the past the state perhaps is not.
2: Yes. And again, also might give local officials cover to say, look, we have to fix this or we're going to end up like Huntington Beach. Right. Which has been. That was part of how the 2017 housing package was touted, a lot of the, the reforms that took some power away from cities. And I think to a large extent that argument has kind of been borne out. If you do talk to local officials, they'll say, yeah, there are more. We, we, we can't blame the state for more things and point to them as a boogeyman to accomplish local housing objectives right
3: except in cupertino where they're
2: (laughs) possibly not in cupertino fighting a very big project that uh aims to be approved under us it it is not universal by any means Mm -hmm. yeah um let's quickly talk about the the uh, capital politics of this um so an interesting wrinkle which i very briefly wrote about is you used to have almost all republican lawmakers representing uh huntington beach up here in the legislature Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now there's uh because of the blue wave, there's two Democratic legislators that represent at least parts of Huntington Beach. Right. They have joined their uh, Republican colleagues who who represent the area in trying to broker some type of compromise and avert the lawsuit. I guess you can't avert the lawsuit if it's already been filed. But Settle
3: all the housing disputes between the city and the
2: state. Exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. So what's interesting here, at least from kind of a uh, the administration's perspective is um, where before you might not have really cared because you had Republicans there and right. it's your constituents and, you know, why they're not going to vote for me anyway. Here you do have two Democrats that are you know relatively vulnerable, right, yeah. whose constituents, even if they do lean left, may not be super happy um, that Newsom is suing them for – Construction.
3: Well, I think it gets to what's going to be a uh, when you come down to brass tacks on all of these issues, right? Um, whether the localism will trump the sort of you know state idea for what you're going to do. You know, we talked to Senator, you know, Moorlock, um, and you'll hear this, but we asked, you know, he's a supporter of senator scott weiner's sb50 which would um up zone, um uh, uh around transit stops right something that would definitely take away um locals ability to determine what's built in their their communities more so than they have now right yeah um but he's also uh, was pretty strong against has been pretty strong against this this lawsuit and has joined his colleagues to to try to get this sort of mediation going and so in the abstract there might be support um and when it comes down to Actual cities or actual places being targeted, then I think you're going to perhaps have a different reaction. I think this, in many ways, um, uh, is a preview of the same kind of uh, uh, arguments we may have around the state when particular areas are get into the crosshairs of the states in these in on this issue.
2: Yes, I do think the contours of that conflict is different. Are different if this is a purple area, yes, like Orange County and Huntington Beach, as right. opposed to a dyed-in-the-wool blue area, like Marin, or right. a dyed-in-the-red area, like very few remaining right. parts of California. Like the state of but Jefferson, some, of yes, course, yes, right? yes, Yes, or, yeah. or some of the more rural areas right. where this conflict really isn't not yeah. as big a deal. Yeah.
3: Uh, from a legal perspective, too, I think, I mean, if these cases go far, right, if they actually try to get before there's no settlement and they actually argue these cases on their merits. This is actually a really big deal because, you know, and I know we kind of like dodged a little bit around charter cities, right? But there are, you know, a hundred or so charter cities. They are the bigger cities, tend to be the bigger cities in the state. And if Huntington Beach is successful and the judges contend that the state cannot uh, enforce its housing laws over charter cities, that means the state, can't
2: do much yes so there, there's uh, risk for the state in pursuing this course there, there's risk
3: for the state Not- but al- but also if and, and if they lose that, that i mean that's that's sort of the end you know, I mean, that's like the state cannot um, on a over a large section of its population. Los Angeles, San Diego, all these are charter cities, right? They they're they're sort of major efforts to um, incentivize or or use these big sticks
2: to um, uh, promote housing growth in the way that they want. They just won't have any effect. And to that point, Huntington Beach has scored some victories in the court. Yes, in the courts against the state on housing law. Exactly. So they over, they...
3: over this issue.
2: Okay. Anything else on the Huntington Beach lawsuit? No. All right. Um, let's talk with our guests.
3: We're here with uh, Senator John Morlock from Orange County who counts among his constituents, the fine folks from Huntington Beach. Senator Morlock, thank you for being with us.
0: Honored to be here, Liam and Matt.
3: So I want to start by, you know, you put out a pretty strong statement in the wake of uh, Governor Newsom uh, filing this lawsuit against Huntington Beach. And I want to read a little bit from it. Um, So you wrote, I am befuddled that Governor Newsom, the former mayor of a city and county with astronomical housing costs and multitudinous problems, would try to make an example out of my constituents, the city
0: of Huntington Beach. Good use of multitudinous.
3: Yeah. So why why such a strong reaction to
0: this? I thought you'd be impressed by the word befuddled.
3: I, th- I mean, I, that's yes. I'm befuddled in responding right now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: you know, this was like what, barely the third weekend, and the the governor had already hinted in his budget presentation that maybe if you weren't meeting your arena requirements or your housing requirements, that SB one transportation funds would be withheld. Kind of a strong shot over the bow, but to shoot a a literal cannonball at one city that is presumed to have not met its requirements when there are 50 others Mm -hmm. seemed um, like selective prosecution or a different variety of the same. And I I felt that it was, uh, you know, brother heal thyself. Um, first, before you start hammering on a on a city in Orange County,
3: hmm.
2: um, you know there's people in Huntington Beach that think they don't need to build any more housing. Um, some of which are likely your constituents. I'm, I'm wondering whether you think any new housing needs to be built there. You mean like people in
0: Marin County? <laughs> 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 yes. Oh yes, exactly yes. like them. Yes, exactly <laughs> like them. So yeah, this is this is a big. Local issue. I mean, it's this is nothing new. This is decades old, of you know people being concerned about what's being built in their cities. Um, so, if you want to build a high-rise, the people react. If you want to, uh, I mean, that happened in in the city of Newport Beach, where uh, after approving a high-rise condo building in Fashion Island that met all of the code requirements therefore not giving the city council members a reason to oppose, yeah. uh, one of those city council members was targeted for recall. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of activity uh, in any city kind of makes city council members a little more um, tentative.
1: Scared. And So,
0: so I, get, I get the importance of trying to nudge everybody a little more on trying to build affordable housing, which is not necessarily a free market approach, but it is a government approach. And so a lot of individuals, residents, will have a reaction to that. And that's an honest reaction.
3: But that's not the reason the fact that there's potential government, or, or, to use your language sort of government overreach and inclusionary you know, requirements for low income housing. That doesn't seem to me to be the reason that principle why people oppose, say, in Huntington Beach or in Marin or wherever, oppose housing construction, right?
2: Go on. Well, I, well, I, I just, I, th- I think I, there's a difference between we don't want to build any housing versus look at all these other cities that also aren't doing what we're doing. And what you're saying is it's more the latter, correct?
0: Well, in Huntington Beach's case, they have been building housing. Do you and, think they've and, been building it to the level that uh, is needed? Well, you know, that's uh, that's a debate. That is a little more awkward, you know. The the RENA requirements are sort of arbitrary, so. Um, so, if, and,
3: and I'm sorry. When you say RENA, just for our listeners, you're talking about sort of the housing supply goals that the state puts out. Regional. Every year. Yes. Housing
0: needs allocation. Right. Yeah. And so that that number, you know, if you want to, you know, show me how that's actually calculated, you know, you know, I'm not a I'm not a housing expert. I'm not a, a land planning expert but Huntington Beach has been building projects. You, you know, the data is there. They have been sued over those projects, and they have prevailed in court because they have been meeting the spirit of the law, and they're moving forward. They've just been a little honest about where they're at, hmm. but they haven't said no to everything. That that, that that isn't the case.
3: So you would prefer if the law... So the law is essentially... It's a, it's a planning law, right? And it sounds like you're saying... Uh, that you feel Huntington Beach is sort of uh, uh, being unfairly targeted with be having to plan for more units than they're supposed to be or they should be, and, and at the same time being unfairly targeted for, uh, for what reason? Uh, do, I mean, what's sort of the reason you think that, that the governor chose the city to, 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 to file the suit against Fires?
0: Yeah, well, then that, that counts for me to presume, and I, yeah. I, I'm not, not going there. I'm just saying maybe it's bad form to shoot a massive cannonball in your third week in office instead of saying publicly, Huntington Beach, I think we have a a misunderstanding on what you should be doing and what we would like to encourage you to do. Could you provide us with an explanation of why we're not getting it within 60 days? And if you don't respond within 60 days with a satisfactory response, then we're going to take it to the next level. And, and by the way, we're going to be doing this for every city where we have a concern. So we'll start with you, but here's how we're going to proceed on a deliberative, you know, open public uh, approach to this concern.
3: Sure, but you, you look at, I mean, the State House Department has letters on their website uh, that they – that all the communication that they send to every city uh, that they have concerns about their housing plans. There are letters going back years, five years, um, three years on Huntington Beach, raising these concerns. I think if you'd ask them or ask the governor's office, they have tried that sort of softer approach, and that's why we are where we are today.
0: And yet here we are. We're moving. We've got a city that's moving, doing, doing what it's supposed to be doing in, in, in some form or fashion, and when it gets litigated, it seems to prevail. So, you know, does it then require, you know, a, a hammer or, 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 or what other strategy? And I'm just saying I don't think the lawsuit was the appropriate strategy.
2: Some will point to the selection of Huntington Beach um, as a politically calculated move by Newsom, right? Uh, Huntington Beach has sued the state. Um, specifically over housing laws, and then also has kind of been a, a thorn in the state side when it comes to other state actions like uh, sanctuary state status, right? Do
0: you believe at all that this was politically motivated? And again, that calls for speculation. <laughs> um, it seems to be that when I'm asked that question, it's usually by a reporter, sure. um, but I haven't made that assertion. Um, but I'm, I'm of the philosophy no better, no worse. You should be treating every city in in the same manner
3: so i want i want to sort of switch gears just a little bit here um you know it seems from the from the statement that you put out um uh, on this issue and from some of this conversation already it seems like you in some sense believe there should be some deference to locals that uh in terms of them trying to meet uh, you know, housing obligations and and and, and control with control over uh, uh, development within their within their boundaries. At The same time, uh, you're a co-author of SB 50, uh, which is the bill from Senator Weiner, your colleague, uh, which would increase um, uh, allowable density uh, around transit stops really anywhere in the state, no matter what a city's rules are. So help me sort of square that how, how uh, you know, walk me through how you on the one hand, seem to sort of be favoring this deference. On the other hand, support a policy that would, um, you know, deal with some local zoning issues pretty strongly from from the state perspective.
0: Now, there's a great question. Thank you. Uh, You know, the joys of social engineering, you know, we've got Senate Bill 50. Yeah. And so now we're dealing with maybe three areas that are really critical. One is affordable housing, which the state is trying to do with a non-free market solution the second is public transit which unfortunately at least well at least right now is failing bus ridership is down uh, train ridership is down and and then you're dealing with the third key element which you've just addressed and that's local control and so how do we find the balance between utilizing the infrastructure that is being pursued and and we're and trying to encourage everyone to get out of their cars and we're trying to uh, attempt to change how people conduct their lives, trying to get to work, which doesn't seem to be working. So, how do we solve all three of these? And and I thought last year's effort by Senator Weiner was a little too onerous, but it intrigued me. Uh, this year, I, I'm under the impression he's, he's he's toned it down, made it a little more collaborative, and and he and I have a relationship. But I, I, I'm also now on his committee, housing. And now I have an opportunity to work with him to appeal to find the balance. How do we deal with all three of these components and, and thread the needle in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way that we can all work together? And, and you know, and if SB50 doesn't do it, then I don't think I have to stay a co-author. But at least I, I have a seat at the table to, to shape it and, and discuss it so that maybe we can get, you know, some, some collaborative efforts from both sides. So, you,
3: so, so, what specifically is attractive about SP50 to you?
0: Well, in Orange County, I was a little frustrated, but a a, a good little facility that we have is uh, the Santa Ana train station. The property behind that station, on the other side of the tracks, is owned by the county. So, I, so I felt as a supervisor that if you're going to rebuild uh, and and provide new. Uh, buildings for the civic center, it should have been on the other side of the track so that your workforce could take the train and get off and go right into your hall of administration. Mm -hmm. So I, I did not see government doing what it was asking the private sector to do, and that is put your facilities closer to the train tracks so that your workforce could get out of their cars. And so... I'm seeing cities like Irvine, Tustin, Orange that are along this train uh, line doing a pretty good job of building housing and and infrastructure uh, along the way. Uh, But if if transit is failing, if, if we can't get bus ridership up, then either we shut down the bus system or we look at another alternative. And so at this point, I'm in that box that's saying, let's look at another alternative first. And so I'm looking forward to the debate and the discussion on this bill this year.
2: Have you had um, conversations with your Republican colleagues about SB 50 or even SBA 27, its predecessor? And what, what have those conversations
0: been like? Well, you'll, you'll see that I'm not the only Republican that has mm-hmm, co-authored right. the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've been surprised that I haven't gotten more pushback uh, from the cities in my district, uh, right now it's, uh, you know, you know, why are you doing this? And I would say, well, I, I, I wasn't all that impressed with how well we were doing in Orange County by building along the Los corridor. And so I see this as a, a nudge to start a discussion that either we go this way or we don't.
3: Hmm. So uh, there's an interesting, you know, there's a lot of contradictions when it comes to housing on the left. Um, there's also some on the right. And since you're a, a Republican, I want to ask you about about that. There seems to be the sort of tension between Republican desires for deregulation and uh, those sorts of things. Right. And certainly zoning controls, you, you, you could argue um, or are um, regular can be regulatory bar- barriers to letting the private sector do what it wants. At the same time, there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, affinity for sort of government at the lowest level. Right. So local control or neighborhood control over decision making. Help me. From your perspective, how do you think through that dilemma? And generally, where do you where do you fall?
0: Well, see, now here I am, as you said, a Republican, uh, one of four in the in the in the state Senate. There's just ten of us right now, so we're in the super minority, and the majority wants to do social engineering. And excuse me, this.
2: It's actually good audio right yeah, there. Uh-huh. It shows that you're actually a senator.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm back in high school, <laughs> and I'm being told to get to the Senate floor. Right. Um, so so if, 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 the, if the majority party, the supermajority party, is trying to socially engineer housing and transit, then how do I get a seat at the table to at least provide some ideas or some cautions or some modifications because if the bill gets a little too awkward, then I want to be able to at least have uh, an ability to, to weigh in from a position of credibility. Huh. For instance, if, if, if Senator Weiner wants to put in a, a project labor agreement requirement, then that's also a social engineering thrust that, that is not succeeding. So why would I want to support that? Or I would, I would want to tell him, say, hey, uh, Senator Weiner, that's that's got to be removed because that has nothing to do with what we're trying to accomplish on the housing and transit side.
2: So, just reading a little bit into that, so are you saying that if prevailing wage is in uh, is part of SB 15 in some way or another, you would likely withdraw your support of it? I,
0: I would, would probably. Uh, express some some con- some serious concerns, and then I would have to decide if I want to do it just for that reason. Yeah.
3: So I want to you talk. You're mentioning social engineering a lot. H- help me understand why allowing cities to put in density restrictions or height limits is not social engineering, but removing those things, like the bill does, um, is social
0: engineering. <laughs> um, again. It- this is a great question, and it gets back to where where do we determine what is good local control? And where do we determine when we have the heavy hand of Sacramento dictating what should be done in cities, and where do we strike the balance? And I don't have a, 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 any other answer than that at this time.
3: Huh.
2: All right. Um, I want to get back to the Huntington Beach suit
0: real quickly. Do do you think you will be able to broker a compromise on this? Well, I'm I'm working in a collaboration uh, with the other senator that represents Huntington Beach because I only have half the city. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's Senator Tom Umberg. A Democrat. A a Democrat. And then I'm working with the two assembly members, Tyler Deep and Cotty Petri-Norris. And the four of us have signed a letter yesterday Requesting that the governor, you know, use mediation and work with the city of Huntington Beach, and they're more than happy to to, to do anything of that uh, approach as well. Because who needs all the litigation costs? I mean, that isn't going to help the situation at all.
2: All right, I, I think that's honestly it for me.
3: Yeah, Senator, anything else you want to uh, communicate to our vast audience? <laughs>
0: um no no i just i I just think this is this is a a very important debate and um i'm happy to step out of my comfort zone and be a co-author and be part of the discussion and i'm very respectful of senator weiner he and i've collaborated in the past and i'm 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 excited about the debate as as for the governor you know i think we can do things a little differently you might be surprised i don't know there's going to be some new news on, on that case uh, in a in a in a couple of weeks. Ooh. Maybe maybe mm. the state filed uh, in, in an untimely manner and may have not met the statute of limitations. We'll we'll see. Mm. But I'm hoping that you know mm. we can all get together and say, okay, what's fair and what's appropriate, and where's the right balance, and that, 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 that our residents are happy, and, and that we're meeting the needs that this state is confronting with with its housing crisis.
3: All right. All right. Well, thanks for
0: that little tease. Yeah, too. little
3: teaser at the end. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know how podcast? You have your own podcast. Podcast? You should plug that. Right. You're welcome. Yeah. You know how podcasting works. You gotta you gotta get them coming back. You know. Exactly. It's like yeah. cereal. Right.
2: You got to keep them hanging. <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you again, Senator. Hey, thank you, lock. Matt. Thank you, Liam. Have a great day. You too. My Bye. Bye.
2: We're here with Assemblymember Miguel Santiago from Los Angeles and the author of the bill that allowed the Newsom administration to sue Huntington Beach um, to build more housing. Thank you for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having us here. This is an important issue, and uh, we're just happy to have a bill that has some teeth. Yeah,
3: so, like, um, I imagine as a legislator, when you write a bill, you want something to happen. Well, that's the goal. You want your bills to be implemented and have (laughs) some good. Right. So are you – I mean, what was your reaction when you saw that there was actually a lawsuit filed per your – um, request
1: well. First, yes. we thought, well, here comes Governor Newsom, guns blazing. He's going to do exactly what he said to do, and he's going to use our bill to produce some housing. The way we took at it is, this is a fair warning shot to any municipality up and down the state of California that if you uh, that if you don't follow your local regional plans as it, as it relates to housing development, uh, the state's going to step in because this is really an urgent matter. So, uh, from a legislator standpoint, when you see a law that you created and it's being implemented. Uh, we were happy to make good use of it. Absolutely.
2: What What inspired you to actually take on this piece of the housing package from two years ago?
1: Well, this goes back several years ago when we started taking a look at the way development is done um, across the state of California. And historically, uh, we take a look at uh, sometimes urban planning is designed in a way that says let's build, but not for those people. And so we did a number of bills uh, that we think complements the work we did advancing. Uh, fair housing, and we believe that that was really important because if you're going to develop, you got to develop for everybody, not just the people that you want to. I mean, this mm. is a this is a complicated situation, and everybody feels the pressures of rent and, and the uh, and the high price of, of purchasing a home. And so, when we took a look at up and down the state, um, sure, we want market rate, and that's important. Uh, we want medium um, income, but we also got to push for the affordable housing units for low income residents. And I don't think that it was fair that some municipalities uh, take the burden of responsibility while others decide to pick and choose who they want in their neighborhoods because mm. um, you can hide behind a lot of different reasons why oh the planning's not there oh we don't have zoning oh it's going to bring in uh, the traffic but at the end of the day we've got to really ask the tough questions are you doing everything you possibly can do to develop the housing that's necessary for everybody not just those who you want in your neighborhood
3: and so you don't feel like that's been happening in Huntington Beach
1: well, no, absolutely. We knew, well, we know it's not happening, Huntington Beach, because you can't downzone and then decide all of a sudden that uh, you're not going to develop uh, your fair share of housing. And, and quite frankly, the uh, the housing uh, community development uh, department also feels it didn't happen, and the uh, AG, uh, based on the lawsuit, feels it didn't happen. So, look, here's what I would say: Look, if it if it looks like a duck, acts like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's a good duck metaphor. Yeah, that's yeah right. right. Yeah. That's where we go quack quack. <laughs> are, there, yeah.
2: are there ducks in Huntington Beach? I don't are know. There pelicans or I don't know. What's the waterfowl situation uh, <laughs> in Huntington Beach? Well, they got have
1: a you, they got a nice beach. They, they do have a have nice, nice beach, beach. They yeah. Do.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I'd love to visit, but I'm not sure they're going to roll out the red carpet for me anytime right. soon. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not.
2: Um, so a lot of what we've heard from Huntington Beach and what we heard from Senator Morlock when we interviewed him was why us? There's a lot of different cities, a lot of different localities throughout the state that aren't doing what you described as their fair share of housing production. Um, Why are you picking on us when you can pick on Marin or you can pick on Beverly Hills? Do you think there's credibility to that argument?
1: Well, look. I mean, he and I would both agree that it wasn't uh, me or a particular legislation that picked on him, right? It, it goes through a process. Uh, a department takes a look at it, uh, sends the AG for evaluation, and then the AG decides to to move forward uh, in consultation with the governor. Uh, so this has gone through a process, uh, and as far as I can look back, I mean, this is not a just happened today uh, problem, and this right. goes back to 2015. Um, But look, I I started off the podcast by saying this looks like a fair warning shot for anyone. So I got to imagine that there'll be others in line um, that if you're not trying to do everything you possibly can, uh, then the state of California is going to hold you accountable for housing um, your fair share of people. So there's a letter that
3: was sent, uh, I believe this week, by... Uh, through the four representatives from state representatives, the rep, who who mm-hmm. who are responsible for Huntington Beach, saying, "Look, you know, let's sort of take a more um, uh, non-confrontational approach. Uh, let's try to settle these things. So there's more lawsuits. Right, Huntington Beach has filed two against the state uh, over housing issues. Um, what's your take on? And this is you know a bipartisan. Um, you know, those four legislators are, are different parties. What's your take on sort of that argument compared to what this, the the state has done?
1: Well, if they settle it um, through negotiations. I mean, look at the end of the day, the bill worked, right? Bottom line is because at the end of the day, the poof is in the pudding. If it moves the city uh, to implement its fair share of housing and even for those who are the lowest income, well, then it worked. Yeah. I'm not saying, hey, we got to go do it through litigation. i'm and I'm certain uh, the state has better better things to do than to litigate. yeah,, uh, but if a, if a municipality is not moving, then that's the last legal option uh, it has. So uh, I am not the AG, obviously, but would I support? Uh, going outside of litigation to settle this? Absolutely. Yeah. Have they,
2: Have they reached out to you at all? any of the, the uh, Huntington Beach legislators?
1: Uh, no, not that I'm aware of at this point in time. I, I mean, I've reached out to some of them and talked to them. Uh, I think I think what you what you said is echoed. There's better ways to do it than litigation. Uh, and look, they've got they've got a phenomenal new representative uh, that, that serves in the Democratic Caucus that, that I think is finding uh, creative ways to, to find a solution to this. And so, look, I'm open to any solution possible, uh, but ultimately, it have to be between the city and the AG's office. Are you
3: worried? Two of the lawsuits that Huntington Beach has filed has uh, called some of the actions the state has taken in recent years on housing unconstitutional. They argue that because they're a charter city, um, some of these housing laws don't apply to them. Would you be worried that if, you know, this goes all the way and there's a, a ruling on that that's not in the state's favor, that would really hurt the state's ability to make sort of the kind of changes it wants to do when it comes to um, uh, enforcing some of its housing laws on local governments?
1: I mean, I, we want the bill to stand, and we want to ultimately have the goal of um, uh, uh, making sure that we house uh, California residents. Uh, but, uh, but if it goes through the legal process, um, and I believe that it will be constitutional, uh, but let's say that it's not um, yeah. constitutional. I mean, look, there'll be other avenues, and, and we still have uh, legislation to push through. We've done other, uh, other pieces of work, and, and look, the governor's coming out, pressing on this, so look, we're going to continue to press Um, one case, one law is not going to stop us from pressing uh, everybody to do their fair share of housing. I mean, look, we're in a crisis. That's the bottom line. I mean, we're in a crisis. We're behind millions of of units of housing. Uh, People are desperate. The price is increasing. We've got to do something about it. And the old uh, paradigms the saying, not in my backyard, I think, have to stop. Now, certainly we're not agreeing uh, to destroying neighborhoods. No one's agreeing to that. And certainly there's already a process. So for folks who are going out there saying you're going to destroy the character of my neighborhood, you're going to do this, um, that's not what this legislation does. And I don't think anybody in the state legislature is saying that. Uh, what we're trying to do is provoke a real conversation about how do we uh, finally address this issue
2: um, I was going to switch gears. Yeah. Is there anything else on Huntington Beach you wanted no, to no. you mm-hmm. wanted to hit? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad to know there isn't a destroy the neighborhood legislative caucus. <laughs> that <would> be, uh, <laughs> in housing legislation in the capital broadly, there's uh, a critique that often gets levied against what comes out of Sacramento is all this stuff is coming from Bay Area legislators, right? There seems to be this Bay Area influence for obvious reasons um, with a lot of these laws, and that lends into this what's good for san francisco what's good for the bay area may not be good overall for the state of california for communities in la san diego the central valley i'm curious what do you think there's credibility to that criticism
1: well, look, I think they have a different population, uh, but there are some similarities. Look, at the end of the day, the housing crunch is a shared experience across the state of California. Uh, there, are, there are intersections where it absolutely works. If you've got a downtown location like the one that I represent, if you've got a, a downtown location uh, like Oakland or like San Francisco, then there's some similarities, absolutely. But at the end of the day... Um, if we take a look at a necessity for housing, it's affecting all of us. Uh, there are Bay Area members who are very active in, the, in solving the housing problems, uh, and, and we worked them very closely. But there's some LA members, too, like myself, who are very concerned about this. Uh-huh. And I represent areas that are very, very different in nature, where we've got Koreatown and, and it's spurring in development. Uh, we've got Pico Union MacArthur Park with a high concentration of Central Americans often undocumented, uh, living in garages, paycheck to paycheck, several families in one uh, apartment. You've got downtown Los Angeles. You've got some of the most expensive real estate, uh, coupled up right next to uh, uh, Bull Heights. Mexican American immigrant community who has been there uh, for decades, and they're now feeling the the crunch of housing. Uh, so there are intersections. So you represent uh, Skid Row as well, and I represent Skid Row where you yeah. got yeah, where you could argue between eight to ten thousand people living on the streets, and so this is a real problem for us. And uh, while while some echoes of one size fits all may not be accurate, I mean are are accurate. Uh, we've also got to take a look at pressing and pushing the envelope. Um, for example, a few years ago, we did a, a bill on micro-units. You know, yeah. Is that going to fit uh, in the middle of the San Fernando Valley? No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. I'd be the first one to say, that's not what my bill was intended for. But yeah. is it going to fit right next to a transportation corridor in downtown Los Angeles? Absolutely. And it mm-hmm. will fit in San Francisco, it will fit in the Bay Area.
3: So That's a nice transition. Um, what do you think about Senator Scott Wiener's SB50, the bill that would upzone around transit areas?
1: Sure. Well, look, I'm open to the concept of it. I think he's on the on a pathway that makes absolute sense. If we've worked uh, in similar spaces, uh, I just mentioned micro units, and we talked about micro units uh, next to transportation corridors. Right. Uh, and, and so, I would take a look at if, if the balance is about producing, and, and I believe he's trying to strike this balance, and, and and I applaud him for it. if The balance is about producing. Uh, more housing around, transportation corridors that can absorb it, and you don't need to plan for all the different parking spaces and so forth that usually become, in some cases, barrier to development, Right. Uh, look, then I'll, I'll, I can see myself open to supporting that. Uh, the balance is going to be in just making sure we strike uh, the right conversations so that we're not uprooting neighborhoods who are historic bedrock communities. And I think he would agree with that. I think I think he's on the right approach. I mean, we'll, we hope we strike the balance.
3: But you're not there yet either way. You haven't said yes or no to
2: to the bill.
1: Um, What I've seen so far, I'm encouraged uh, and I'm being supportive. What I want to see come down the process is we'll see how it comes to our
2: house. Um, Are we going to have a major housing package this year that includes bills that address some of the upzoning aims that Senator Scott Weiner has, maybe I uh, thought we
1: did, <laughs> but the rent's I think still you're high, man. Us. Rent's the rent's
0: still, rent's still high, high you know? The rent's still high.
1: That's why yeah. we're here, you know. <laughs> if you fixed it, we wouldn't be here, right? Yeah. So. No, that's fair. And I appreciate yeah. The, yeah. the funny game. No, look, I think we're in. Uh, I think some of it was waiting to see what the governor did. And the governor comes out, 1.3 billion dollars. I mean, I'm talk about putting. You know, putting where your, your your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. an encouraging uh, thing to do, and I think some of us are huddling back and saying, "Well, how do we start some of these provocative conversations to spur the much needed uh, housing?" So I could see the the beginnings of a conversation now. Um, what's really exciting about it, to to be honest with you, is is you've got a core group of people who have been working on this for a number of issues. You got a legislature who's excited about it. And now you've got a governor who's embracing this. We if this goes on for the next several years, I think we can actually make a dink uh, in the housing crisis in the state of California because I think we're motivated and our residents want it. I assume you, you mean a dent not a dink.
3: A dink would seems like not that much, but a dent seems like you could really get in there, you know. <laughs> hey, how how about how
1: about a colossal blow? There okay, there it's good. <laughs> yes, That's
3: good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Leah mentioned that you represent Skid Row. I do. What's the one thing Newsom should do right now to help those constituents that you have?
1: Uh, Number one, I think um, a serious investment in mental health care dollars. Uh, Last year in the legislature, we fought and uh, we pushed about $500 million in heap dollars. L.A. County got about upwards of $86 uh, million, and uh, L.A. City got about $85 million, and we're seeing the benefits of that now. Uh, we're going to get about somewhere between 20 to $25 million in the region that I represent. Uh, and uh, I worked extremely hard on that, as did Ting, uh, the budget chair, other members of our legislative caucus in, in L.A., and uh, we partnered up with the mayor in Los Angeles, and we went after these dollars. Uh, I think we need to see more dollars that like that that have flexible uses uh, so that we could actually show some, some accomplishments. And when you take a look at an area like downtown Los Angeles, yes, we need housing. Uh, absolutely. We need mental health care services, but we also need to figure out a way for those people who live on the streets to have some dignity of life. And these are basic Basic tetanus shots, basic flu shots, medical care, the ability to talk to them, the ability to com, uh, to bring them along for care, and mm-hmm. I think that those are the pieces that we need to kind of kind of take a look at. So I think a good investment in mental health care um, dollars, but also some the accountability measures because we've also given a lot of money to the counties, uh, we've given a lot of money to local municipalities, and we need to start seeing uh, some metrics. We need to start taking a look at uh, if they're if they're also doing uh, kind of like an AB seventy two version. Uh, of homelessness, where we start mm-hmm. taking a look at, have you done your fair share? Um, anecdotally, when we speak to homeless uh, populations in, in downtown Los Angeles, oftentimes they'll tell us that they came in from another city, that they came in from another state. We need to take a look at uh, where they're coming from. Um, and then, look, we need to figure out a way also to partner with some of the families um, who have connections to some of the people who are homeless.
3: Yeah. So do you, do, you, do you believe that? Th- I mean, every time I see, you know, there's a lot of argument, well, these people came from somewhere else, as if— that this that city doesn't have a responsibility to, to do something about it, number one and number two you look at the counts and the stats show an overwhelming majority of people who are on the streets in a certain community came from there so i just wonder when people talk about that is that it just seems seems to me sometimes kind of like a deflection you know like like well they came from somewhere else so we throw up our hands that can't do anything about it
1: well I, well we talked about accountability a second ago right yeah. there has to be some accountability for municipalities also to step up uh, their pace like if you take a look at in in our region um we have a responsibility uh, to the homeless population and also to those uh, residents in the area that we're going to do our fair share. And so when, um, when you asked me the question about what do we need to do, yeah, we need to invest more resources. Uh-huh. Uh, but we also talked about accountability of the dollars that are being spent and accountability to municipalities trying to do everything they possibly can, almost like a version of, of uh, AB72, because this is a shared problem. I mean, there's no way that you can throw your hands up in the air when you've got close to 200,000 people living on the streets in the state of California. And those are the counted numbers. Those are not people right, who, who right. we've discovered who are under uh, underhoused, who are living in, in, in trailers or who are living in cars. I mean, this is this is a devastating problem.
2: I, I also think, I mean, to, to your point, there's a difference between the claim that, a lot of the homeless population is from out of state versus a yeah. lot of a lot of the homeless population is not from this specific area. I think, especially in the case of Skid Row, sure. right? There's sure, a sure, documented sure. history yes. of the surrounding cities, which I'm sure you're familiar yep. with. Yeah, literally, law enforcement taking people and putting them in Skid right, Row. Right, so right, I think right, right. There, there's an yeah. important distinction there. Yeah, I think yeah. and fair. there's a yeah. balance yeah. to the
1: conversation because. Yeah. You have to do everything as a, municipal, a municipality, and this is a shared responsibility. I, 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 look, the, I think the state's got a responsibility, the cities has got a responsibility, and the counties have got a responsibility uh, to do everything they possibly can. I think the old ways of looking at things, like I'm going to point the finger at you, I'm going to do this, it's pretty easy for a local municipal leader to go point the finger and say, hey, the state's got to do this. Hey, the question for us sometimes, too, is, yeah, we've got a responsibility, and here's what we've been doing, but what's, what, if, what have you been doing, too?
3: So, two years ago, uh, we talked a lot about AB72 that passed. Uh, Last year, you had a uh, fair housing legislation that uh, that passed and was signed. What's your idea this year? What are you going to try? To, is there a particular bill that you're going to push? Or but we're uh, still examining
1: area? all the different um, avenues to do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly we think that there ought to be some relief uh, for renters, uh-huh. uh, and we're examining those possibilities. Uh, we're also trying to dig into uh, what this 1.3 uh, billion really looks like. Yeah. Uh, and trying to complement some of that work. Look, I think at this point in time, we're putting everything on the table, yeah. and then we're gonna we're gonna talk to stakeholders and figure out what else we could do to move this conversation about housing.
3: So, cards close to the vest for the next Santiago bill. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, look,
1: yeah. and we know we've got a good history of it. You know, when yeah. AB72 started a conversation, people looked at it and said, hey, well, you know, what are you doing? This is not going to have any impact. And we said, no, you need you need real teeth uh, in the lawn. You need some money behind it. And now we're seeing, uh, we're seeing municipalities move because uh, if you don't move, we're going to move you.
2: All right. So, it seems like a good note to end on for uh, me.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. This was fun. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Trying to make it an intelligent conversation, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Not that I didn't it's... expect that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't always happen. Yeah. Uh, thank
2: you very much for joining us. Thank no, you. Thank you. I
1: appreciate the time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to
2: Gimme Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin. You can find me on Twitter at MLevinReports. Uh, I'm Liam Dillon. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dylan Liam. And thanks to everyone who voted in our poll for what topic to uh, cover this past week. Um, we unfortunately couldn't book the right guess for uh, the MIT study. Um, But we're working on that. We hope to do that two weeks from now.
3: And this is the study for uh, what um, uh, upzoning does to a neighborhood.
2: Yep. Uh, Thanks again for listening.